Good morning, y'all. It's time to come into the house of the Lord and uh, worship him this morning. If you're a visitor today, we welcome you. We welcome you this morning. It's pretty. Um, also, uh, if you will fill out a connect card that's in the seat in front of you and turn it into, there's a, there's a box in the back or just hand it to somebody and they'll, we'll get it to wherever it needs to go. And in our giving, if you just go to Cypress Street, give, or you can drop your check into the gift box on the back. Um, also, if the restrooms are out down the hall to the left as you go out, and uh, Wednesday night, we have the midweek service with Pastor Dan. It starts at 6, and then um, the youth and uh, youth meet upstairs. Also, you let me down Wednesday night because I came in expecting you to be there. You can't start that and not finish it. That's exactly right. I, 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 I looked and I thought, now where is he? I want that guitar music playing with Vicki, her, her beautiful playing. But we didn't have it. But next Wednesday night, 6, 630? 630. <laughs> um, let's uh, bow our head and... Uh, and pray. Our Heavenly Father, you are our God. You are our King. You're the King of King and the Lords of Lord. And we worship you today. We just invite you into this place. Send your Holy Spirit, Lord, so that when we leave this place today, we can honestly say we felt your presence. Open our hearts, Lord, so that um, we can hear the message. Anoint Brother Dan and his sermon so that, and open, so that we can go out into the community, Lord, and be the church, to be your church and fulfill your commission. We just ask that um, you be in the worship, in the songs. Help us to clear our minds, Lord, and just uh, open them up to you. We ask this in your precious name of Jesus. Amen. Let's, uh, let's sing today. Won't you stand and join us as we begin our worship service with a beautiful old song, Oh, How I Love Jesus.
said, Amen. Amen. All right. <laughs> Let's join together in singing, Yet nigh, not I, but through Christ in me.
Christ. Another beautiful song, Take the Name of Jesus with You. Mary, we're so glad you had such a good report, baby. Amen. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you to know we'll be thinking about you tomorrow, okay?
I know by now most of y'all have met our new pastor. If you haven't, you need to get to know Lynn's husband. <laughs> um, also, in our, um, like she said, Gene will be having knee surgery this week. Remember to pray for him, and y'all keep us updated. Um, Blanche Harris, cataract surgery. Mary Cranes, I praise the Lord. LM has um, COVID. I think COVID's going around again. Uh, Sister Vera Edie it had surgery this week, and she's back at, uh, well, no, she is in St. Francis. She'll be there. They have to do uh, IV for six weeks, so she'll be there for at least six weeks. Uh, Vivian Cootie, our lost loved ones. Also, uh, we got a call last night that a dear friend of ours passed away. Yesterday, he hadn't been sick, he just had a, what they call a widowmaker. Her wife's name is Peggy. I'm sorry. We just all grew up together, raised our kids together. And they've been with, they've been together since teenagers, and you just, it's just hard. But um, if you just pray for Peggy this next week as she buries her husband and starts a new life. I'm sorry. Maybe if I tell you a joke, this will get easier. <laughs> I found one, Brother Dan, just for you, okay? There was a new preacher that came to church, to a little southern church. Let me get the tears out of my eyes, okay? Bear with me. One Sunday morning in a small southern church, the new pastor called on one of the elderly deacons to pray. And he thought, this safe, you know, the elderly deacon. And the man stood up and he said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. And the preacher opened his eyes and looked and thought, what have I done? And he continued and he said, and Lord, I hate lard. And by now the preacher's mortified and he said, and Lord, I'm not fan, a fan of plain flour. But Lord, when you mix those together and bake them in a hot oven, you got something delicious. He said, but after you bake them all together and put them in a hot oven, I just love biscuits. Lord, help us to realize then when life gets hard and when things come in, I'm sorry, when things come in that we don't like and whenever we don't understand what you're doing, we need to realize just to wait on you, whatever you're doing, and after you get through, with the mixing and the bacon, it'll probably be better than biscuits. <laughs> Brother Dan.
laugh together and we cry together and that's what the family of God's all about and we weep with those that are weeping and we rejoice with those that are rejoicing and truly as people of God we have things in our hearts that we don't understand and loss and we can't comprehend it we don't know what's going to happen but we know that the Lord is still on the throne amen God is still good and God is good all the time and that's right and uh, we know that he's here this morning. Let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Our gracious Father, we thank you that we have a God that we can turn to. A God that is faithful to his promises to never leave us or forsake us in the good times and, yes, in the bad times. You're there through the power of the Holy Spirit to grant us peace in the midst of our storms. Restore our joy, Lord, this morning in you. And teach us to number our days, for we know not when tomorrow shall never be. So Lord, we rejoice in you knowing that we know we have a Savior. His name is Jesus. The Jesus that died on a cross that for, has forgiven us of our sin and has risen again in the lives of each and every one of his believers. We thank you that you've instructed us how to pray that, Lord, we're to pray one for another. And you've heard the requests that have been made this morning. Those that have had surgeries that are in hospitals this morning, those that are uh, uh, going to be going through a medical procedure, surgery, those that are ill this morning, those that are weary, and those that are worn by life. Lord, restore our joy this morning. And we commit afresh and anew these needs that have been, have been spoken. Lord, we, we, we forget them all by name, but Father, you don't forget, for you know the number of hairs that are upon our head. So Lord, we commit these needs to you this morning. And you know each individual case, each individual circumstance. And Lord, we just pray that you would have your way this morning. As we pray for your healing, as we pray for your touch, as we pray for your ministry in each one this morning. Thank you for this church. Thank you, Lord, for its history. Thank you for who we are today, but Lord, thankful, thankful Father, for who we will be tomorrow. Because, Lord, we are a part of your great church. And, Lord, we pray that you would inspire us, that you would motivate us, encourage us this morning to go out and tell about this relationship we have with you. Lord, teach us your ways. Show us your scripture this morning. Unspoken requests, Lord, this morning that perhaps we've never shared with anybody. But Lord, you already know. And so, Lord, we ask that you would, Lord, intervene and meet that need this morning. 
We sing hallelujah to you today because you are our hope and our song. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, I, I want to just tell you that I, I'm not used to three songs and preaching. I'll just tell you all that. So it kind of scares me. <laughs> I, uh, I'm used to a little bit longer. So if I get done early preaching, you'll know what's happened. We didn't sing enough songs. Then I know that you won't wonder about that, will you? There's a movie that some of you uh, might have seen. It's, as old, it's, it's old, it's several years old, and they just now have come out with a new rendition of it. But it's the story of a, um, a jet fighter, fighter pilot that went to the exclusive Top Gun school to learn how to be a better pilot. And this pilot had an attitude about him that thought he knew a little bit more than everybody else and that he kind of looked down on everybody around him, the other pilots. Well, as time went on in his, his uh, stay at the, uh, the, the school where he was going, um, he fell, fell in love. Can you imagine that? Has any of you ever fallen in love before? I, I hope all of you have. No, Donna has. Uh, he falls in love with uh, his trainer. And they strike up a great romance. And as the years go by, or as the days go by, uh, the, uh, the pilot in one of their uh, practices has a collision with his airplane and kills his backup man. And it's his best friend, and he is just horrified by this. In the days that go on, um, his girlfriend breaks up with him. And it kind of, the world is unraveling for this great jet pilot. I could probably tell you a few more things about the story, but I'll end it with this. At the end, we see this young jet pilot who has lost his best friend, who has lost his romance, and he's sitting in a pub, not knowing what to do. Until all of a sudden, he hears on the jukebox a song. And you all know what that song is. You've lost that love and feeling. Whoa, that love and feeling. You've lost that love and feeling. It's gone, gone, gone. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's beginning to be one of my favorite stories. But I tell you that story because what difference would it have made perhaps in the story that we share together today from Scripture? 
Scripture chapter Luke, excuse me, Luke chapter 24, and this is a long passage. So please follow with me because it tells the story that we need to understand and that explains kind of what the jet pilot was going through. Chapter 24, verses 13 to 33. Let me read it. And behold, two of Jesus' disciples were going that very day to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were conversing with each other about all these things which had taken place. And it came about that while they were conversing and discussing, Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them. But their eyes, their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. That's very important in this scripture. Verse 17, and he said to them, what are these words that you are exchanging with one another as you're walking? And they stood still looking sad. And one of them named Cleophas answered and said to him, Are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, The things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him up to the sentence of death and crucified him. Verse 21. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it is the third day since these things happened. But also some women among us amazed us. When they were at the tomb early this morning and they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, but him they did not see. And Jesus said to them, O foolish men, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself and all the scriptures. And they approached the village where they were going and he acted as though he would go farther. And they urged him, invited him, saying, Stay with us, for it is getting towards the evening, and the day is now nearly over. And he went in to stay with them. And it came about that when he had reclined at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it. And breaking it, he began giving it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. And they said to one another, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining the scriptures to us? And they arose that very hour and returned to Jerusalem and found gathered together the eleven and those who were with him. 
saying, the Lord has really risen. And has appeared to Simon. And they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. I changed the name of this song to You've Lost That Lonesome Feeling. I'd ask you this morning, have you ever lost your lonesome feeling because you felt like Christ had kind of deserted you? Kind of left your life a little bit to handle it all by yourself. Have you ever lost that lonesome feeling when it seemed like God was not there to answer your, press, your questions or, or to hear you when you cried out? And what a weekend it had been for the followers of Jesus. For it seemed that the bottom of their lives fell out. All their hopes and dreams had seemed to vanish into thin air when Jesus had died on the cross. Their friend who they had followed for three, three and a half years. Everything had happened so fast. His death, his burial, his resurrection. What were they going to do now? Early on Sunday morning as we declared and celebrated last week. The women went to the tomb that held the body of Jesus and they had rushed back to the disciples with the news that they had seen angels who had told them that Jesus was risen. But the disciples at first just dismissed it as hysteria. Peter and John ran to the tomb and discovered that it was indeed empty. And Jesus' band of followers were without a leader. And it seemed like their lives were falling apart. They went and hid, declaring that Jesus was dead. The very afternoon of the report of the empty tomb, two of his discouraged followers, frustrated believers, Cleophas, and an, an, another unidentified disciple, companion, they set on the road to Emmaus. I don't know if you kind of get in the shoes and in the hearts of these two followers, but I think these two men were just utterly defeated. They were thrown in the towel from following Jesus, and they were going home, back to Emmaus. But on the way, they met a stranger. A stranger. Doesn't it seem like sometimes Jesus has become a stranger to us? When our communion hasn't been as close as we need it to be. On the way, they meet a stranger, these two men. And we know that according to scripture, it was actually Jesus. But they didn't recognize him. You see, they hadn't been that close to him. Part of the delight of this story is that we as the readers know what the characters do not know. The encounter between Jesus and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus is one of the most vivid 
of the resurrection appearances. And it's found in this text. I want us to just examine these scriptures very closely. But there's five things that took place real fast and I'm not going to dwell on any of them very long. But in verse 13, we found that these two men had kind of lost their direction. Does a church ever, church people ever lose their direction to find out what's really important? What's of eternal value and what's of material value? These two men kind of lost their direction. Verse 16, we find that they did not expect Christ's presence. They were walking to Emmaus. Jesus appears out of nowhere, says they called him a stranger, but they really didn't expect Christ's presence because they knew he had been crucified and had been placed in the tomb. Verse 21 tells, uh, tells us that as they were discussing with Jesus about the events that had transpired, they began to tell God how it should have been done. Well, we never do that, do we? You ever tell God how some things to do? You know, and I found out when you tell God how it should be done, it only frustrates you more. I'll tell you about a secret. I got so frustrated years ago and got depressed. And my father-in-law had a, uh, outside of the town, he had a little place, he kept cows, about 20 acres or so. And I would go out there every once in a while, check on the cows to see how they did. I found, I was so depressed, I opened the gate, drove my car through the gate and got out. I found the cows, I got out of the car. And you know what I did? I started telling those cows Every problem I had and everything that depressed. And I started preaching at him. You ever preach to cows? That'll really depress you. <laughs> there are times we try to tell God how he should fix circumstances in our life. And I have found that circumstances happen to all of us. But we've got to realize by our faith that God is in the midst of our circumstances and he knows best how to fix them. Amen? Amen? Amen. Verse 26. They lost their faith in the promises of Christ. They'd been following him for three and a half years, but they began not fully trusting his promises. Jesus had told them in several different ways, in several different parables, in several different stories, in real life events, he had told them that he was going to die. He told them that he was going to be placed in a tomb, and he told them that he was going to rise again. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? It was a promise that, yes, he was going to die, but he was going to rise again. Now, I like it as we go down to verse 31. It says that after they invited him to have supper with him, that their eyes were opened and their hearts burned. Why? Because they recognized the presence of Christ. One of the things that I uh, uh, really 
relate to this morning is the first Sunday I came here on January 29th of this year. Lynn and I came to a whole brand new people we had never met before. Did you know what Lynn and I both had? We felt the presence of Christ here. And I believe where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus said, I'm going to be right there in their midst. Hey, there was two men on the road to Emmaus and Jesus appeared. They were appearing, discussing, maybe cussing and discussing, I don't know. But the things that had transpired in their lives and they didn't recognize Jesus. But as he began to break bread, as we broke bread last week in communion, their eyes were opened. Then I want to tell you something. Some people today think that church is not too important. Get on my high horse here. Did you know that when the bread is broken, Jesus reveals his presence? And there's no way on earth better than breaking bread as when God's people come together and the body is literally broken for each other. We break for you, Donna, this morning. Your loss, your friend. We cry. We laugh at some of you because you've had some, you're funny people. <laughs> I could say some other things, but I won't. But when the body is broken, Christ is revealed. When the church is doing what it's called to do, it begins to reveal the presence of Christ. But some of us, sadly enough, we've lost that lonesome feeling, haven't we? Where's Christ when we need him? Where's Christ? He said he'd never leave me or forsake me. But where he, is he at? I would give you three instances that we discover from this scripture, the absence of Christ. In verses 14 to 16, they were conversing, they were discussing as Jesus approached and they were departing from Jerusalem back home to Emmaus. And number one, the absence of Christ in our life, when we have that lonely, lonesome feeling in our life, remember that the absence of Christ causes us to walk away from the fellowship of believers. It's at those times that more than ever, you need to be with God's people. We need each other. I need you. You see, when the body comes together, we each use our gifts according to what has been given. And each of us doing our gifts makes the body strong and makes the body the light that is needed in our world. You, you, you know what has taken place in our, our world and in our culture today is the church has disappointed many people. Because we've taught a great theology, but we have failed to practice it in so many different ways. Now, I know that I'm preaching to the choir here this morning, that you all know this, but I want to remind you, 
that, hey, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, and I'm standing in the need of prayer. I want to do my part. I want the presence of God, so if I'm going to be with the presence of God, I'm going to be with God's people. I challenge you in the coming weeks to make coming together a priority in your life. As these men journeyed, they were moving away from the fellowship of other believers, the other disciples. And when Christians allow themselves to become preoccupied with their dashed hopes and their frustrations, they withdraw from the strength found in other believers. I need your strength as your pastor. Do you know that? I need your strength. Hopefully you will say, I need your strength. I will do my part so that you can do your part. Amen? I want us to remember the Old Testament scripture from Isaiah chapter 43 that says this, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And though the rivers, they shall not overflow you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Let us come together for, to enjoy the accompaniment of Jesus Christ in our walk through life. The second thing that I find in this portion of Scripture about the absence of Christ is found in verse 17 through 24, and I'm not going to bother to read it. But what was the two followers of uh, Jesus, the two men on the road to Emmaus, what, what were they doing? They were discussing. They were con conversing. They were uh, just talking about the things of the past. And notice down here in verse 21 where it says, we were hoping that it was he who would redeem us. Besides this, it's the third day. Jesus is dead. What were they were talking? They were talking, if you read the scripture in text, it says that we thought he was Jesus the Nazarene, that he was a prophet, that he was mighty indeed, that he loved even the common people. We learned that he was hated by the religious leadership. And we learned that he was crucified. But let me tell you, the word was is a past tense. Who do you say Jesus is today? And that's what it boiled down into this portion of scripture. These two followers, once upon a time, followers of Christ, they were living in the past. And the absence of Christ causes us to live in the past. Now, folks, I hope that you will not get upset with me, but 
I, I do have a mind of my own and, and believe that. And there's some new things that I might want to try in our congregation that we didn't do in the past. Is that going to cause me to get kicked out, Brother James? No. <laughs> I'm just forewarning you here. Someone asked me this morning, is there any way we can change this around? I said, stay tuned. <laughs> Folks, the past is great. We have testimony of the past of God's goodness. But I want to tell you, I've got testimony today of God's power and his grace. And I have... I have dreams and hopes that abound in me of what Christ wants to do, he desires to do in our midst if we will not enclose ourselves in the past. You know what I'm saying? Don't put boundaries around what God desires to do. And if I step out of line, some of you will set me straight, I'm sure. But that's okay. That's the body of Christ. These two men on the road to Emmaus summed up their condition. When they said in verse 21, we had hoped it was. You know, we have hopes too, don't we? It strongly implies that this was not relevant to the, to the present or not to the future. It was something that happened in the past. They lost their hope. Jesus failed them. They lost their faith in what they'd seen and experienced. There was no now, no future because he was dead. They had hoped, but now the flame of hope had been extinguished. Well, the absence of Christ, thirdly, causes us to question God's care. I'm going to ask you, does God really care about you? I said, does God really care about you? Yes. You know, last week before we took the Lord's Supper together, we gave a confession of our faith. Remember that? Don't forget. And why did I put that out in front of you? Because I want to know, I want to remind you of our faith in Christ and what we believe. But sometimes we feel like God doesn't really care. I'm, I'm insignificant. I'm not talented. I once uh, told somebody, uh, they asked me to define myself as a pastor. And here's what it is. I, I am not the best preacher in the world. You've had great, better, better preachers. I'm not the best teacher in the world. I sure am not the best singer in the world. I'm probably not the best husband in the world, am I? There's a lot of things. I'm not the best friend. But I want you to know there's one thing I am, that God has given me adequacy in all these areas that what God calls us to, he equips us to do. And we are adequate. And you are adequate for what God has called you to do. He's called you with hope. He's called you with faith. He's called you with a great future. The absence of Christ causes us to question God's care for us. 
We might have expected Jesus to respond to their questions as saying, I understand. You know, that's one of the two words that they teach in Bible college is uh, when you're counseling, you listen. And you just keep, as they talk, you just keep your head going. And I understand, I understand, I understand. Whether you do or not, you understand. And here's, uh, here's these, these people that are uh, on the road running away from the, uh, the body of Christ. And their question was, and Jesus didn't say, I understand, but he kind of chastised him. In verse 25, you're so foolish, he said, oh, foolish ones and slow of heart to believe that the prophets have spoken. He's saying, you know what the prophets have spoken and they're true. What the prophets told you are true. When he says they are slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken, it indicates that the disciples have become selective in what they believe. And let me tell you, sometimes we can become selective. Again, fitting God into our little box. God can do this, but he can't do that. God can say this, but he can't say that. God can, can, can feel this, but he can't feel that. And that's what these men had become, very selective in who God was. These disciples had become guilty of believing the word of God selectively, believing those things that fit in with the neat little box that they had created for God. Their understanding of scripture was worked by their assumptions and preconceptions and even by their own sin. And so is ours. We've all been taught, many of us, before we came out of the womb about Jesus. We all started with Jesus loves me, didn't we? Jesus loves me, this I know. And through that, our theology has grown through the years. And sometimes we get it so complicated that we inhibit God from doing as he chooses to do. Is it true that God really cares about us? And do we act like God cares for us? 1 Peter 5, 7. Give all your worries and cares to God. For he cares about what happens to you. Do you know that God cares about what happens to you? He does. Is it that God can provide for you? My God shall supply all my need according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. And if we find ourselves hurting and despairing and do not find that scripture speaks to our situation, it is caused by one of two things. Either we do not believe it or we don't know it. As the two travelers approached the end of their journey, the, the stranger appeared to be going on. But they called out to him and said, I don't know what they called him, stranger. They didn't recognize him. Abide with us for it's towards evening. 
and the day is far spent. I want you to think about this morning about giving a fresh invitation. My kids uh, sent out an email to the family and Lynn and I was included in this one miraculously. But it seems on Memorial Day that they've all decided to have a family get together without us. And they gave, so I, I wrote back, I said, are we not invited? And one of them peeped up and said, well, you'll have to ask yourself whether you should be invited. I, it was kind of, woo. You know, we may know headwise that we are invited into the presence of God all the time. But sometimes heart, we forget it. That when we're going through the daily routines of life, when we suffer grief, when we suffer loss, well, we know in our head, hey, God's there. But in our hearts, we act like we really don't know. These men gave an invitation to the stranger. And I would challenge you to give an invitation to the stranger that walks with you this morning. Abide with us, Jesus. It was towards evening and the day was far spent. And he went in to stay with them. And as the story goes, Jesus then was allowed to be the host who took the bread and broke the bread. And it was when the bread was broken, they said, oh my, they recognized that it was Jesus. The truth is this morning that God wants to set our hearts on fire every day. He wants to give us a burning passion for life. Hey, I've met some people you have too. They're done with life. They're tired of it. They don't want any more of it. They're ready for the end to come. Jesus wants to give us a new fire in our hearts, a passion to make a difference. And that's why I'm here this morning as your pastor. This is my third week coming up. Doing, I haven't got kicked out yet. But I want to stir a passion. I have a purpose for being here that God has sent me to remind you to stir up that which was in you. First, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I remind you to stir up the gift of God that is within you. When you look at Jesus and, and, and invite him into our presence. Something happened as they recognized Jesus. One of the best signs of God's presence in your life is the desire to be back with believers. They went back to Jerusalem from whence they came, even though they were on the road to Emmaus, to be with their, where the other disciples were gathered. They rose up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem. And they returned with a joyous run to Jerusalem, with a renewed strength, with new encouragement. And they went and told others, 
about what Jesus had happened in their midst. About four years ago, I got a phone call one Saturday night. Um, a little history into that phone call is that my father passed away from Alzheimer's in 2007. My mother had gone to live with my brother that was here a couple weeks ago down in Georgetown, Texas. And so every year we would go down, Lynn and I, some of the family, we'd go and we'd try to visit her at least once a year. You know, you might think that that's a long time. Now my mom was a really, she took care of herself. Uh, but I will tell you that by her own testimony, I was her favorite child out of six. Isn't that right, Lynn? But I, so I always tried to go and at once a year and go visit my mother. And there were special times with my mother. My mother uh, was 96 years old when she passed. And um, so I get this phone call about four years ago, and it's my brother down in Texas. He's just crying up a storm. Says, Dan, she's gone. I, I didn't know what he was talking about because he never calls me. And he, he, got, and, and he, did, he said, I don't know what to do. And what had happened is my mom in her 96 years had a great day, was laughing and cutting up and sat down, had supper, went to the bathroom and fell dead. Now that was a shock. In fact, I went back, we went back this last summer and visited Tim and Terry down there. And, and Terry, it was still fresh on her heart. She, she, she said, Dan, right here is where your mother died. And she kept, right here, right here. You know, it was still very strong. I mean, there was no reason really for her to die. She just died. And I say, Jesus, she was almost an Elijah. God took her. One of the things my memory started going by as I was asked, I, I, I officiated at her funeral was uh, this, that when I would go down to Texas to visit my mom, oh, we'd go by, back to see the rest of the family too, but I'd go to see her and she'd greet me at the door and she said, Dan, she said, now we've got to set up a time for counseling. And I said, uh, counsel me or counsel her? She says, no, I need counseling. I need a pastoral visit. That's what you're here for is a pastoral visit. And so we would. And my mom was very regimented. She would wake up at 8 o'clock or so. She was 96, so we sleep in a little bit. She, she was 90, she'd eat breakfast, and then she'd go do her devotions, and then she'd uh, go uh, exercise a little bit. Then she'd take a morning nap. We recommend all of you take morning naps. And then she'd have her lunch. And then she'd go back and watch a favorite preaching show on TV. And then she'd go take another nap. Then she'd eat supper. And then she'd go to bed. So knowing her regimen, I said, okay, when do you want to meet? And I said, uh, now this happened every year. This didn't happen, happen uh, uh, just once. This happened every year ago. She said, all right, well, when are we going to have our time together, Dan? And so we always made it. I, once a day, I would go into her 
her little bedroom that she had, they fixed up inside their house. And uh, I'd say, okay, mom, uh, what do you want to talk about? She says, oh, I just need a pastoral visit. What would you do in a pastoral visit? And so I, I, would, I took out, I remember this the last year that I, I read from Psalms 27. And I told her, the Lord is my light and my salvation. And whom shall I fear? And then there, the, the chapter goes on and says, One thing I have asked from the Lord, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. And she said, Amen, that's my prayer. Oh, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. My mom was a Pentecostal. Um, and she'd get excited. And then I'd say, uh, well, she said, Well, I want you to look at my funeral arrangements. And I mean, this was every year. Then I, I've updated my funeral arrangements. I have it in a little folder here. And so she'd pull it out of her door and she says, look, she said, uh, here it is. And she'd explain how she wanted her funeral and everything. And, and I said, okay, okay. Knowing in my heart that I was going to do my own thing anyhow. But, uh, and we, we drew it in. That just always satisfied her. I said, well, what about this? And she'd say, oh, you know, you, you'll find the right words. And we would talk, and then we would pray. I'd ask her, I said, do you have anything special you want me to pray about? And one of the things that uh, she said, I almost fell off there, and you almost had another passage. But, uh, uh, I, and, and she'd always pray for her kids. I always prayed for her grandkids, and she had a big old poster board on the wall and she had everybody in the world pasted on that. And then she'd say, when she prayed, she said, hey, well, pray for them. And, and I see them. And I, I said, well, where's my picture? She said, oh, it's on the end. So I wanted to make sure. But anyhow, I'd sit there and we'd have prayer. It was, a, it was a glorious time with my mother. Just me and my mother. Nobody else. Everything else was closed out. And we would talk about the things of the Lord. You see, my mother was a very godly saint. She prayed for me every day before I went to school. She prayed for me every night as a family that I couldn't get away from the Lord because my mom was right there with a frying pan. You, you know, and I, I, you know, I honor that and I treasure that. And some people think that I was um, a spoiled kid and I probably was in some ways, but my mom kept me on the track. I got that call from my brother that she'd passed. And all these memories of the past that I'd have with my mother. I love my mother. She wanted to live to 100. And this year she would have been 100. And now I, I don't have her presence if with my eyes. But I have her presence with my heart. As many of you have your loved ones. And it warms me when I think. When I'm talking about my mother, it warms my heart. I know you may not get anything out of it, but it warms my heart talking about my mother. I hope that your mom and your, your kids and your husbands or whatever, I hope they warm your heart, even though they may be gone, because of the love that you exchange. And I want to, you know, I miss so much going and having those times talking about funeral arrangements. For 10 years, we talked about funeral arrangements. But I miss those visiting times. I shared with her the last time 
how she expressed herself. Dan, she said, sometimes I feel like my prayer's not going anywhere. Sometimes not getting higher than heaven. Sometimes I don't know what to say in my prayers. She said, I'm having a hard time praying, although I knew she prayed. She prayed for, she'd pray for an hour, two hours. So I didn't know what to say, but I did share with her this. I said, you know, Mom, God speaks to us when we can't see him. We see and God speaks to us in his creation, in our friends, in our families. He cares about us right where we're at. Even when we're blinded and we feel our inadequacies of getting with him. I said, Mom, God's in the presence of his people whether you don't feel like it or not. I want to tell you this morning, as these two men walked on the road to Emmaus, there were some things absent from their heart that Jesus had to break the bread and open up so that they could feel his presence once again. I want to tell you what, when we talk about the Lord, it warms our hearts. When we share God's love with others, it warms our hearts. When we have seen the bread broken by the master, it excites us and we want to go back and tell others about Jesus Christ. Can I tell you one little more half a story? I know I'm over. Mike, will you forgive me with the clock? Turn the clock back a little bit. Uh, last night, got a phone call. And I, I, I'm open book. I share what's going on in my life. Y'all probably get used to that. But uh, last night, my youngest daughter called me from Arizona and she was sharing with her mom. She didn't call me. She was calling her mom, but mom had it on speakerphone so I could hear, you know. And Abby went on and on. She's really, she's gotten really, really into her church, really worshiping with her church and serving in her church. She's really excited. Now, you have to keep in mind that her older sister will not have nothing to do with church. But she is. And then she went on. She said, Mom, she said, I, I think I need to be rebaptized. And I said, her mother said, well, what do you feel you need to be baptized? She says, well, I just feel like there's a renewal that God is working in my life. And I want everybody to, to notice it. And, you know, she was baptized as a little girl. I had a, a, a 90-year-old lady in Tennessee that I pastored. She'd been baptized five times by every pastor she'd had five times. She said, well, I've slipped away from the Lord again. I want everybody to know I'm back. So I baptized her when she was not. I, I was scared to death. thought I was going to uh, drown her. But, but anyhow, my daughter says, I, I, I think I need to be baptized. I'm still thinking it over. And I said something to her. I said, make sure you invite Bethany. And I said, well, she said, well, I don't know. She doesn't want anything to do with church. And I started thinking to myself, that's the very reason we're baptized, because it reveals our relationship to the world around us and to others. And you know, one of the things we need to do, church, is we need to be a fresh infilling and a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can go and tell others that the presence of God is real. And he is real. And I'm not ashamed to say that this morning. 
Folks, there's been times that I've lost that loving feeling. But I'm so glad God's grace has shared it with me once again. Amen. Amen. May God bless you this morning as we go out of this place to serve and to embrace that stranger of Galilee that wants to share our journeys with us. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are with us always and you're always faithful to your promises. And, and, and Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you are real. We know it. We've experienced so much in our lives that you've been a part of. Yes, Lord, there's been distressing times, disturbing times that, Lord, we wonder where you're at. But Father, we know you're faithful that you will not leave us or forsake us. Lord, in this place, we are all at different places in our life. We all have different friends. We have different families. We have different experiences. We walk different footsteps. We walk different directions. But we know that you're with us. Lord, assure us this morning of your presence in our life. Warm our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand this morning? Let's join this beautiful old song in the garden. Sweet, the birds hush their sea. 